If your kid is on any social media platform, you need to be on it too. And you need to be following them. You need to see and understand what they are posting and how the app works. That's one of the best ways you can keep them safe is just to always be aware and be their friend on there. Don't be annoying and respond to every single thing that they do, but be be involved and know what they're posting on. When it comes to building a business empire online while intentionally cultivating a thriving life at home with kids, well, there is no roadmap. It's not easy, but the great news is we're not alone. We live in a crazy world that is truly unlike any other time in our history. And if you're like me, you've got an impact of your own to make but you're not willing to sacrifice your relationship with those that you love in order to get it. My name is Stephanie Dove Blake, and this is the Powerful Parenting Journey podcast, where we'll journey together to learn what it means to be a truly powerful parent. Let's go. Hey, Powerful Parenting Journey listeners. I hope you are ready because today's episode is a delightful duo, a power-packed pair, and let me tell you, they have got some major wisdom that they're going to be sharing with us. I had the pleasure of meeting Jared and Camille Beckstrand in a high-level mastermind, and I can't tell you every time that they would speak up, you couldn't help but to lean in and listen a little closer. Together, both of them combined, their platforms have inspired and touched the lives of over 6 million followers. You heard that right, 6 million. And yet their greatest pride is being parents to their four amazing kiddos, ages 6 to 16. Jared has taken his passion for fitness and health and combined it with his knowledge as a physical therapist and turned it into a massive online platform, Tone and Titan. His mission, real fitness for real people. With over 2 million followers on YouTube, he's been a beacon of inspiration for those seeking healthier, more active lives. And then there's Camille. She is a guiding light for so many moms feeling stuck. Alongside her sisters, she runs Six Sisters Stuff, a treasure trove of easy recipes and family-focused projects. Rooted in the values instilled by their parents, these six sisters are on a mission to bring families back to the dinner table. Their podcast, Table Talk for Moms, is just another testament to their dedication to family time and connection. So today on the episode, Jared and Camille get candid about their parent about parenting in the digital age. They've generously shared their unique approach to screen time, the genius of their phone contract for kids, and some game-changing insights into nurturing strong, meaningful relationships with your children through it all. So whether you're a parent navigating the tricky terrain of screens and social media, or simply someone who loves hearing from genuine, impactful voices in the world of parenting, today's conversation is for you. So let's dive in. Welcome back to another episode of the Powerful Parenting Journey podcast. I am so excited because I have Jared and Camille Beckstrand here today. And these are two of my favorite people. I don't know if they know that, but I just absolutely love their energy. And I got the pleasure of getting to meet them in Russell Brunson's inner circle. And everything that they do, they just show up so powerfully. Um, Jared, and, and, and he has his own business and Camille has her own business. And they're actually partnering on something together here pretty soon. But you'll see as we start chatting, that they do nothing halfway. And that includes parenting. So guys, we're going to dive in with Jared and Camille. Thank you so much, you guys, for joining me today. Thank you. We're so excited to be here. We're so, this is so great, Steph. This is going to be so fun. It is so fun. And and let's just go ahead and start them out. Tell them how many kids you have and what ages they are. Okay. So we have four kids. Um, and so our oldest is 16. And then we have a 14-year-old and 11-year-old and a six-year-old. So kind of checked all of the boxes, really high school, junior high and elementary. So 
it's busy over at our house. Yeah. You're in the thick of it. Like you are 100% in the thick of raising kids and it's a beautiful thing. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and one of the things that I just, before we got on, we were chatting and one of the things that I wanted to dive in with you guys is what you are doing with screens in your home, because I feel like it's very different from most of the conversations we've had so far on the podcast. So I think it's going to bring so much value to everyone. So if you don't mind, I want you to help people understand what is going on because guys, they're the only ones that have a phone of all four kids are the older two and they have no social media, which, you know, for a lot of people in the world right now, if you said, okay, yeah, this teenager has a phone, but they don't have social media. It'd be like, wait, what record scratch? Like what? And, uh, Jared and Camille have just decided that that's what they want to do and they're they're making it happen and their kids are on board and that that's a pretty amazing thing. So let's talk about that you guys. First off, you know, what made you make that decision? You know, Jared and I both are online businesses. We've been in them for about 12, 10 to 12 years, a right. long time. We have grown with social media and actually social media is the reason we have businesses today. It's a big, huge part of our business. And like I was telling you, Stephanie, between Jared and I, we have in in our respective businesses, 6 million followers across all social media platforms. Like that's how big of a part of our business it is. But we being that involved in social media and being in it for that long, we have seen the good, the bad, and the downright ugly. <laughs> and we, as our kids were growing older, when I started my business, my two oldest were four and two years old. Like social media wasn't a big part of our lives, but as they have grown up and I've seen social media become such a huge part of the world, it's just a part of the world that I didn't want them to be part of quite yet. Mm-hmm. Because while there is some good that comes from it, Research, early research has shown, and there's not a ton of research out there yet, but early research has shown that it's more harmful than good to kids in their teen years. And so with our kids, when they turn 12 years old or when they're entering seventh grade, that's when we start the discussion around the phone. We can dive deeper into that. But with that discussion comes what um, they can have on their phone. And we talked about the good and the bad that comes with social media and that comes with the different apps. And when it came down to social media, our big thing is that we explained to them the why. Mm-hmm. We said, this is why we don't feel you're quite ready for social media. And we laid out all of our reasons that um, mental health, that's a huge one. Jared and I are very involved in our church and we work a lot with the youth of our church. And we have watched bullying happen. We have watched anxiety and depression spike. Um, We have dealt with kids who have wanted to end their lives Mm. because of their social media usage. And that just wasn't something I wanted my kids to be involved in yet. And so that is kind of the reason why they don't have it. And so like, and we joke around at our house and like our kids even know this saying is like, (laughs) mom and dad know too much. And like, you know, you don't, you don't go 12 years and, and, and build the followings that we have without learning a thing or two on the way. And Camille hit it right on the head. A lot of that's, a lot of that is, is fantastic. And a lot of our success as business people have come from those social media followings, but right along with that really good education, we also have like an education of the, of the not so good side and, and really 
It's, it's interesting because we don't know what we don't know in that regard. And this is such a, a new field and, and, you know, the, the results and, and the outcomes and the consequences of our behavior, we still don't know what those are yet. And so uh, the analogy that we always draw with our kids is like, look, you, just, just because you turn 16 doesn't mean I'm going to hand you the keys to a brand new car. Mm. And it's kind of the same thing. Like, you know, when your kid turns let's say of phone age in air quotes, like whatever that might be in your house, you don't just say, okay, here you go, have fun. There have to be, there has to be, you know, some rules and some guidelines and they have to learn about proper usage and how to control, you know, that new vehicle that you've given them and what the consequences are if they don't do that. And so that's kind of the house that our kids are used to growing up in. And I, I think that's amazing. And you guys actually mentioned something that I, I found phenomenal because I thought I was the only person who had done this. Uh, but for our kids, we actually have a contract that, but we have our kids sign essentially, or we, we called it an agreement really. Um, but you guys have a contract too. So talk to me about that and why you chose that and what's in it. Oh, this is totally something that we drafted up. And again, um, this kind of came from our service in in our church and working with the youth and some of the older high school kids, the juniors and the seniors, and you know they would come in and you say, "Well, hey, how's it going?" And oh, I'm so mad! Oh, my dad took my phone away. And it's like, okay, well, let's 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 dive into that a little bit. Like, first of all, who pays for that phone and who pays that phone bill? And they're like, oh, well, my dad does. And so it's like, okay, well, whose phone is it really? Yeah. Oh, well, I guess it's my dad's phone. Okay, okay. <laughs> And then it's like, now, did they take it away just because they were in a bad mood? And they're like, well, no, I came home late from curfew. And so it's like, okay, so the consequences of your actions resulted in your dad taking his phone back from you. Uh, yeah, okay. I guess, I guess that's right. I guess that's accurate. <laughs> and so we just wanted to be like very clear with our kids. Like, look, as long as we're like, as long as Camille and I, as long as my wife and I are paying for this, it's our phone and you are borrowing it from us. And like that sentence alone is so empowering as a parent, because if your kid ever does something that you're like, okay, you lost your phone privileges, you're not taking their phone They're, They simply broke their agreement and you are taking your phone back from them for a period of time. Mm-hmm. And our kids even know it's so funny because our kids, like I'll even like, I'll tell my son, I'll say, Hey, where's my phone? And he'll pull it out of his pocket and say, and he'll say, here it is <laughs> right here. And be like, like, that's right. Or I'll say, Hey, will you go get my phone? And he'll go grab this phone that he is using and he'll give it to me. So that's, I mean, like that's, that's one thing that we definitely made very clear, but I think the contract in and of itself is, you know, we expect you to display certain behaviors just again, like, you know, getting back to the car analogy, you need to follow the rules of the road. And the rules of the road aren't there to limit you or restrict you. They are actually there to keep you safe. And that's one thing that we make very clear with our kids. Like, you know what? Like, we're not going to hand you the keys to this brand new car. We're instead going to put you in driver's ed. And we're going to have you kind of follow and learn and, and, you know, figure out right along with us, you know, what you're capable of and what this phone is capable of. And so a lot of the contract is centered around that. And I don't know if you want to mention kind of some of the things that we have in place. Well, one of our big things is just always explaining the why behind what we do. 
because we feel that our kids deserve to know that we're not just setting rules to be mean. Mm, yep. We're not setting these parameters just to be terrible parents and make their lives miserable. We're setting these safe boundaries to help them learn in a safe environment and to have freedom within those boundaries, because there is a freedom that comes from not rules, but guidelines almost like they know how we are really big about mental health in our house. Um, We have family history of all kinds of mental illness and disorders. And so mental health is a big thing here. And we have watched um, friends and family suffer from um, anxiety, depression, addiction, um, tied to their phones and tied to social media. And so like some of the rules that we have in this contract, like one of them is you turn your phones in every night to mom and dad at 10 PM. Mm. You don't get to have your phone in your room that it sleeps with mom and dad. And the why behind that is we know how important good sleep is. And we know that if a teenager can get really good sleep, that's going to help with their growth. It's going to help with their mood. It's going to help with their hormones as they're going through puberty. Like there's so many like trickle effects that happen because of good sleep. And so we have some strict boundaries around good sleep. And one of those being no phones in your rooms. And you'll know that from Jared and I, because we both have old school alarm clocks in our rooms. Like we don't use our phones for that so that we can have that freedom of good sleep. Oh, well, and I, and Camille, Camille hit it right on the head. If you can explain the consequences of the action proactively instead of reactively, mm-hmm. it, it defuses everything. So like, for example, like if the kid comes home late from curfew and you're in that moment and you're saying, oh, you're late, like I'm going to take your phone, they react to that. And it's very big emotions. But if you have that outlined in a contract where it's like, if you break curfew, you will lose your phone or like, I'm going to take my phone back for one day. They already know exactly what they're getting into. Yep. And so like, to Camille's point, one of those things is, you know, your phone needs to be checked in every night. We have some parameters around grades, around missing assignments. Um, they know that they can't have it at the dinner table, that the dinner table is family time. And that's not the time that you're on your phone and distracted because we know how important those, you know, real life connections are. Um, just you know, a, a lot of little things. They can't take it to church because they should be, you know, learning and not, you know, being distracted and socializing. <laughs> Our kids don't have social media on their phones at all. And, and these are all just, you know, parameters and guidelines that we've written into this contract that they have to sign in order to, quote unquote, lease our phone from us. Yeah, oh, I love this so much. Go ahead, Camille. We also, in this contract, we leave room for them to tell us their thoughts and feelings. And if there's something that they don't agree with or that they want to change, they can talk to us about it. We are totally open to hearing their ideas. The thing that we ask is that they come to the table with the why behind it. Why do you want more hours on your phone? Or why is it that you want this specific app? Or why is it that you want social media? I so our oldest daughter is 16 and she's a junior in high school. She graduates in the like a year and still doesn't have social media. And at the beginning of this year, I started thinking like, am I doing her a disservice by not allowing her to have social media? Like maybe I should, you know, tell her she needs to get it so she can start learning and practicing and implementing the things that we have taught her. 
And I brought it up to Jared and Jared was like, nah, I don't think so. And so I brought it up to Brinley, our daughter, and just said, um, hey, do you want social media? Like maybe it's time we start using it. She goes, oh, I don't want it, mom, because I see what it's done to my friends. Mm. They don't talk to people. They just are always looking at their phones. And it's funny because uh, once a week I feed a big group of high school kids and they come and eat lunch over here during the day. They leave school, come eat lunch here and then go back. And what's funny is they'll start out having a conversation, but slowly and surely, everyone starts to pull their phone out mm. and will suddenly get quiet. And all these kids are just scrolling social media. And I'll look over at my daughter and she'll just kind of be sitting there and we'll just kind of smile and wink at each other like, hey, it's okay. You don't have to escape the world and scroll on social media. Like you can have real life connections with people who are right in front of you right now. So it was really eye opening to me that I'm glad that she can see it. And maybe because she's removed from it just a little bit. And I'm here's some, like maybe in a month she'll want it. And that's okay. We'll figure that out as we go. Yeah. But I love that we have given her that option of just because everyone else is using it doesn't mean you have to. Yeah. And I love that you're not, you're not scared of really truly charging a path that is. Um, not the path most taken, right? And you're you're teaching your daughter that, and that's one thing we've worked hard with with our kids. Like our oldest didn't get his phone until he was seventeen, like phone at all. But we have a different situation. We were homeschooling, and um, my second son got his at seventeen as well. Uh, and actually, I think just right before he turned seventeen. But it was a conversation around what do you need, and they already at that point were already seeing, you know the difference between their friends that that had phones and kind of live on phones and those that didn't have one and just the difference in the thought processes and the way they spend time with each other like you mentioned it's so drastically different but i know that i know that i know that there's going to be someone who for one on that's listening right now for one they probably might feel judged they might feel well i've already you know, screwed everything up. My kid already has a phone. They have social media. Rah! You know, like, what would you say to that parent that maybe they're like, dang, I really wish I had known this beforehand. Like what might be something that you could encourage them with? Or if, if that was you, what would your next step be? You know, Jared and I have actually like taught a couple classes about social media to parents. And two things come up when you say that. Number one, if your kid is on any social media platform, you need to be on it too. And you need to be following them. You need to see and understand what they are posting and how the app works. That's one of the best ways you can keep them safe is just to always be aware and be their friend on there. Don't be annoying and respond to every single thing that they do, but be watching. My mom's the only one who likes my posts. <laughs> Want that. <laughs> but be involved and know what they are posting on. It blows my mind when parents are like, Yeah, I think my kid's on TikTok. I think they're on Snapchat. And I'm like, How do you not know? Because if you don't even know if they're on there, you don't know what they're posting or you don't know who's posting things on their feeds. And so be involved in whatever apps your kid is on. And then number two, gotta have those hard talks with your kids about safety on social media. We have had family members and we have had friends whose children have um, been sought out by adults posing as kids. And you think, oh, that won't happen to me. 
it literally has happened to people on our street. Like it, no one is safe or immune from it. And so you need to have those conversations with your kids about what could happen on social media. And if it does happen, this is what you do. Mm-hmm. And have that open communication so that they know you're a safe place. They can come and talk to you when it happens, because there will be things that happen. And so keep that communication line open. Oh. And that's the thought that came to my mind too, is, is if you are dealing with that situation, like no one is ever too far gone. And like, it, it, it just comes down to being willing and open to, to have, like Camille said, that hard conversation to sit your child down and be like, Hey, you know what? Like I've got some concerns and here they are. And this is how I feel. We use a lot of I sentences in this house. I feel this way. And this is why, and like, maybe I'm misunderstanding this, but can you help me to understand this better? And like, even asking questions, like, why are you on social media? And like, how does it make you feel? And like, all of a sudden your child starts to have these realizations of, oh, I'm just on it because everyone else is on it. And maybe they even have that realization of, you know what? I don't really like the way that I feel when I'm on this. And then that opens the pathway to, okay, well, how would you like to feel? Mm-hmm. And what would your actions need to look like to feel that way? And kind of lead them into their own revelation of like, oh, maybe maybe my, my, maybe my actions can change. And if I do change those actions, maybe my mood and my behavior will change too. Have the courage to have the hard conversation. Oh, it's so good. Hey, powerful parents, Stephanie here. I hope you're enjoying the show so far. Did you know that statistics show that 88% of Americans say they eat dinner with their family every night or a few times a week? I think that's a pretty awesome stat. But if you're anything like me and you're an entrepreneur, then after a day filled of putting out fires and maybe various events testing your patience, sometimes it's hard to think of questions that can help you really connect with your kids beyond the standard, how was your day? When my kids were just littles, I put together a list of questions to solve this problem and to help us have something to connect with over dinner time. And now I would love to share my curated dinner questions with you. This is good for littles and for bigs. There's lots of different varying questions in there. And these questions are going to help to ensure that the conversation is not just lively, but will bring you closer to your children while you enjoy a delicious meal together. As a listener of this podcast, you can get access to these questions at www.powerfulparentingtribe.com. Once you're there, make sure to type in your best email and I'll have my team shoot over the questions for you. Once you get the questions, I encourage you to make this a family affair, print them out, have your kids help you cut them out. We even grabbed a mason jar and my kids decorated it. And that's where we put all of our questions. And that same mason jar still sits on or near our dinner table to this day. We've been using these questions for close to eight years now, and I've really enjoyed the fun conversation and connection that's come from them. I hope your family enjoys them as much as mine have. Again, that's www.powerfulparentingtribe.com. Now back to the show. I think you guys have a zone of genius that I'm not sure you're aware of. And we all know that if we have a zone of genius, we don't think it's, it just comes naturally to us. We don't think it's like anything magnificent, but the relationships that you're describing that you've been building, like this isn't like you woke up, your kids turned 12 and 13 and you were like, oh, we need to really focus on having a relationship with our kids and talking to them about these things. I'm sure that from an early age, you started developing these relationships, paying attention, being intentional to have conversations with your kids. And so, you know, whenever you have that kind of zone of genius for people don't necessarily, that it doesn't come as a default or maybe they, life got crazy. Like I know one person, they started a business, it blew up and basically swallowed them whole for almost a year and a half. And then they woke up and it was like, oh, 
my kids. And it wasn't like they forgot they were there. I mean, they were fed. They were quiet. No real problems were there. But things had happened. So much had happened that they were unaware of because they just got swallowed whole by success in business. And and they just didn't know what they didn't know because their kids seemed fine. But in actuality, a lot had taken place in these children's lives. And they weren't doing fine at all. And they actually lost a lot of that groundwork they had laid in their relationships with their kids. And so since you work with youth, um, I would love to hear what some of your thoughts around how can parents develop deeper connections with their kids so that when they want to have these conversations around social media, you know, that that they actually have the leeway and the kid is open-minded to that and that there's an open door there. Because I know a lot of parents, unfortunately, when it comes to the conversations that they can have with their kids, they meet a lot of closed doors. And it's not only the, it's not the kid's fault most of the time. Most of the time, there's not been a relationship there to where you've earned the right to have an open heart in front of you, inside of your child. So I'd love to hear any thoughts you guys have for people listening on, you know, how do you deepen the relationships you have? Or maybe if you, um, you know, you find yourself in a position where the relationship isn't that great, what what might your uh, your recommendations be? Oh man, <laughs> how much, how long is your podcast? <laughs> no, that's that is such such a good question, and you hit on so many great points with that. Um, see if I can remember everything that I want to mention in this answer. I feel like when we talk about kids, you have to spell love T I M E, and like you need to spend that time with them, and and you can't let it get to a point where you become a stranger, where you become just an authority figure in their lives. And you mentioned, you know, kind of like entrepreneurs and business owners. And this is something that that I have had to dive so deep on because we're all searching for balance, right? And you hear it all the time. You hear about a work-life balance and a home-life balance. And and there's this desire to to balance everything out. And like, you think about it and, and what what fun is balance? Like when people want balance, they're looking for a balance in quantity of time. And when you break it down, like, you know, if you're asleep for eight hours a day and you're at work for eight hours a day, that leaves eight out. Like it just will never balance out and you can never achieve that. And so when we talk about balance, what a lot of people misunderstand is that they're looking for a balance in the quantity of time. But what if instead we went for a balance of quality of time? Yes. And instead of, well, like, like, you know, two scenarios, if you were to spend one hour with your child and you were distracted, you had your computer close by, you were answering emails, you were scrolling on your phone, you were looking at social media or answering more emails on your phone, how impactful would that be to your kid? What they, what would they remember from that? They would remember, oh, like, you know, dad was supposed to be here with me, but he was invested on his phone instead. What if we cut that time in half? What if we said, okay, you only have a half hour, but your phone was like nowhere near you and your your laptop was nowhere near you. And it was like you and your kid and undivided attention. And maybe you're, um, I don't know, like the things that I do with my kids, like, you know, throwing a ball around or like, you know, shooting baskets or on the golf course, going on a walk. They have your undivided attention for 30 minutes. Now, what are their feelings around that? I promise that 30 minutes of undivided attention is going to mean a lot more to them in their lives than 60 minutes of being in and out. And it will also do wonders. I mean, just for your mental health, like, you know, when you're at work, 
go all in at work, like be all in on that and finish it and get it done. And like, you know, close that chapter. And then when you get home, be all in at home and in your kids' lives. And if you can go for a balance in quality over quantity, it will make all the difference. That's something that's something that definitely I've learned in my life. I feel like too, I just heard this the other day, but that balance of work and kids and family and life, it's not like a 50-50 split, but it's just being 100% present wherever you're at, just like Jared was talking about. And I, for me, it's been just figuring out what are my priorities. And I had to get really specific about what those priorities are. I, I feel like Jared and I have been on this journey, this entrepreneur journey, but also this parent journey. We're all on a journey, right? But like in that process of this journey, I've had to learn how important it is to take care of my mental health, that that is crucial because everything else falls apart if I'm not mentally well. And then from there, it just became about relationships. Mm -hmm. Those were my priorities, my relationship with God, my relationship with Jared, our marriage is first and our kids know that they know mom and dad are best friends and no one's going to break that apart. And then after that is the relationship with my kids and showing up for them in the best way that I can. And sometimes I don't know what that is. I think that as moms, we do have access to that mother's intuition or father's intuition or that knowing in our gut. And if we are like, how do I do this? How do I, you know, meet them where they're at? How do I get to know them better and foster a relationship with them? think deep down, we have that mother's intuition, or we can connect with God and he knows our kids as much as we do. He can help us figure out how we meet them where they're at in this moment. I have a friend whose child, whose son, he was like 16 or 17, so addicted to video games, so addicted, couldn't played him around the clock. Like they would take it away and he would find a way to get online in the middle of the night and play games. And she was just like, what do I do? He won't talk to me. He won't even look at me. He won't. I have no relationship with him. And she just had the thought, play video games with him. And so every day she started taking some time to just sit down and play video games that she did not care about video games. She didn't have time for video games. It was not important to her, but it was important to him. And it was her showing up for him in that way, meeting him where he was at, that everything changed. It didn't happen overnight, Yeah. but every time that she chose to show up for him and play video games for 15 minutes, could just ask, can you show me how to play this game? Or can I join in? And he would roll his eyes, mom. But... He loved it deep down. He loved that he was getting that attention from her. And it's been like two years and they are thick as thieves Mm. because she was willing to come meet him where he was at. Mm. That is so powerful. And what I love is that is oftentimes out of the box because so many parents don't want to go there, right? Like, please don't make me put my hands on an Xbox controller, right? Like I'm a And like, for me, I'm a PC gamer. I don't want to get on the Xbox. I don't want to do that. If I'm going to play a game, I'm going to be on a computer. But, you know, I I feel like both of those points are so very valid. And no matter, I believe just like what you guys said earlier is, is it's never too late. Like it is literally never too late. It's just a matter of tapping into what we know as parents and, and maybe some of what we don't know where we have to like lean in and say, God, what is it? Like, how do I reach my kid? And and be bold enough to believe and to put that intentionality on solving the problem because it's never too late. But I feel like so many parents feel so very overwhelmed 
like your friend at any given point, she could have just said, look, I just, I just screwed up. And this is just my kid's life from now on. Like, this is just going to be what it is. And, and just relinquish and abdicate your, your role as a parent, essentially. And, and then what happens I see is that parents feel so discouraged because it hits, you know, whenever we're talking about parenting, we're talking about something that reflects on us, whether we want to admit it or not. Am I a good parent? Am I a good father? Am I a good mother? Right. And when we see that maybe we've done something wrong and things aren't going how we hoped they would, then we immediately associate that back onto ourselves. And you can handle that a number of ways. You can reject and hide. Uh, you can callous over. You can um, be angry. Like there's so many different ways I see parents handle this. And, you know, leaning in instead and saying, okay, I'm I'm not giving up the fight. I'm not giving up the battle. Like I'm going to lean in and I'm going to show up and do my very best to be the best parent I can be with the circumstances that we've got and see what we can, where we can go from here. Right. And so um, with that, I want to segue to a, a question that I've been asking almost everybody on the podcast. And I just can't wait to hear what y'all's answers are. But really quick, before I get to that, I just wanted to let everybody who's listening know, I did talk to um, Jared and Camille, and they agreed to let us have a copy of their contract. So we'll put that in the show notes so you guys can kind of see and get an example of what's possible if you're considering giving your kid a phone and what that looks like. And I just love how you guys blew the lid off. It's like, yeah, we gave them a phone, but it's literally just a phone. It's not social media. And I think that's uh, awesome. So awesome. But the question I want to go into is, um, what does it mean for each of you two to be a good father or a good mother? Ooh, man, that's a that's deep. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, oh, I mean, okay, like let's just let's just let's just talk. I mean, I guess um, we we are very much a couple who is outcome driven, and so like you know when you talk about goals, um, when you talk about let's talk about like in business, like you have goals and dreams that you ultimately want to accomplish. Um, we, we, we really get into future self. This is something that I've been like deep diving on and like, not to bore everyone, but like, That's you the know, good when stuff. You, oh, it's the, it's the good stuff. There's, there's so much research out there that it's actually our, our future is a much more powerful predictor of our present than our past was. Meaning you can have past events happen and you can say, oh, the reason why I am the way that I am right now is because of everything that happened to me in the past. But what research is showing is that it's actually future and, and your goals and your outcomes. And again, just kind of the aspirations that you have that have a much more powerful effect and a much more powerful influence on who you are right now mm -hmm. and how you behave right now. And so when you ask the question, you know, what does it mean to be a good father? I, I have to go to my kids' outcomes and I have to go like, okay, what is it that I ultimately want for my kids? And like, if I'm to sum it up in one sentence, I would say, I want them to have a better life than I do. Mm. And, that, and that applies across all facets. I want them to be like, I want my son to be a better, better father. I'm going to get emotional on this one, Steph. Is that okay? Okay, that's good. I want them to be a better father and I want my girls to be just outstanding moms and I want them to succeed in business and I want them to serve in church and I want them to just be, you know, a light to the world that is, you know, 10x what my light ever was. And so if I can influence that in them, if I can show them, hey, 
you can be anything and you can do anything. And like, you know, you can, you can follow in mom and dad's path or you can blaze your own, but whatever you do, leave value and provide mm-hmm. value and, and try to leave. I hope that my grandkids' lives ha- are, are better than my kids' lives are. That's ultimately like, if you're to say, you know, what is success or what does it mean to be a good father? I would say lead by example, but, you know, point out, you know, the mountain doesn't end here. Like I've, I've gotten to the top of this mountain, but I need you to be on top of that mountain over there. Like, I feel like you can do that. And I feel like if we can like inspire that in the future generation to leave, you know, you leave the future generation better than ours, then, then mission accomplished. Mm, Dang. Well said. Well said. I know I dropped a bomb on you there. But what I hear you saying is we want to make our ceiling their floor, right? We want to so good. help yeah. them go farther, right? Oh, it was so, so incredibly good. Camille, what about you? Oh, okay. you to be a good mother. Right? I, I had a minute to think about it. You were so Um, You know, I mean, amen to what Jared said. Like, we just, we want to inspire our kids to just recognize, like, there, there are no limits to what they can do. Mm. And we want them, I think for me, a big part is for them to understand their identity, who they are and whose they are and what they are capable of doing. And then I want them to just have the thing that I always pray for, for them is confidence. I just want them to be, especially my girls. I just hope that I can inspire them to realize that even as a woman, they have so much power and potential to do good in this world, not only as a mom, but that they can, whatever dream they have, they can just run for it and they can just crush these massive goals that they have. And I'm grateful I am where I am because of a good mom and dad who who showed me a way of living life a little bit differently and maybe living life a little bit higher. And like Jared was saying, because of them, I'm where I'm at. So I want to inspire my girls and my son to go even further. And I just, I just hope that that's the seed I can plant inside of them. And then that they can take that, that I shared with them and all their experiences of life and just become who they have massive potential to become. And my goal is to just love them through it and cheer them on. Oh, so well said, Camille. So well said. Had me crying over here. You know, it's the journey of parenting is truly, I mean, that's why the podcast is named what it's it's named. It's because it's a journey, right? And you guys seem to have, you know, like you said just now, Camille, you seem to have um, had someone who who created and made their ceiling your floor. And so you're getting to kind of kick off. And I think that's such a beautiful thing. And one thing I know we're we're needing to wrap up on time here, but I I also too just want to kind of call it, call that out because usually we become the parents that we are uh in a lot of ways in a result of what we experienced as a child, right? Sometimes that's that we're trying to avoid something that we experienced, and sometimes we're just trying to emulate it and do even better. Right. And would you say, uh, and I want to call this out very intentionally because it, it, it's evidence for us. And whenever you see evidence of something good, you can trace it back and you can replicate it. Right. 
And so I just want to ask you guys, you know, do you feel like the way that you were, you were raised um, and how your parents did is affecting how you're parenting now? Yes. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Yes. I, I, I feel, oh, this is another great question, Steph. I feel very blessed to have been born into the home that I was born into where I, I love, I love the sentence, you know, when, in regards to kids, like much of their learning is caught, not taught meaning that they will hear your words, but they will watch your example and they will watch what you're doing. And that will have a more profound impact and influence than anything that you will ever tell them. Mm -hmm. And so again, I feel very blessed to have born into a home where, where that love was, was taught by both word as well as example, more importantly, example, definitely. And I feel like that's definitely shaped who I am now. But then, you know, you're, the, the, the second half to your question is, you know, nature versus nurture. And, and it's kind of this idea of, you know, if your home situation wasn't quote unquote ideal, like, does that mean all hope is lost? And the answer is absolutely not. Like, it's still completely within your power to change that. And again, I kind of mentioned, um, you know, future talk and the idea of your future self. I feel like one of the most powerful questions you can ask is what does your future self look like? And what does your future self want to be? And regarding parenting, what type of relationship do you want with your kids? What does that look like? And I would encourage everyone who can hear this right now, answer that question and spend some time in it. Like when you wake up in the morning, like what are you doing with your day and how do your kids fit into that? And like, you know, what are the conversations that you have? What are the activities that you do? And then the next question is, does it look that way now? Yes or no. And if the answer is no, like what needs to change in order for like to make that happen? It's completely within your power. If it's like, you know, I do, I want to spend more quality time with my kids, then it's completely within your power to make that happen. Even if you maybe did not have that type of relationship growing up, you know, if you weren't born into that home, Create the home that you wish you were born into. Mm-hmm. That's completely within your power to be able to do that and to show up for your kids the way that you wish someone would have shown up for you. Again, I'm very blessed. I was I was born into a, a beautiful home where where you know these things were taught and 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 I loved my upbringing. I feel like that's influenced me as a father now. But I also hope that if I hadn't been born into that home, I would recognize, you know what, I want to do this differently. Mm-hmm. And, and I wish that my dad would have done this. So I'm going to do that. And I'm going to show up for my kids in that way, because that's completely within everyone's power to do that. Ooh, so good. Camille? There is this movement right now on TikTok for young adults, uh, maybe like, you know, in their 20s to cut ties with their parents. Mm. It's just this huge, I don't know, trending thing that my parents did X, Y, Z to me. And um, they, the impact of growing up under their roof has caused me so much mental stress and drama that I need to remove them from my life. Jared and I are bit, big advocates of families. We just think the family unit is the best place to learn and cultivate little people and to help them 
become who they're supposed to be. And it's interesting to watch families be attacked. And you think like when you are in your 20s and you've grown up, you survived high school and you finally like move out, why in the world would you sever ties from your parents? Unless there was massive abuse happening. But other than that, it's so interesting that this movement has people label themselves as the victims. I am the victim of growing up in that household. Instead, like, I wish those people would flip it on their head and say, or are you the victor? Because you got to experience, and most of the time, yeah, parents aren't perfect. We're trying to figure it out. And like I said, maybe by not allowing my kids to have social media at a young age, maybe I am messing them up. I don't know. The research isn't quite out there yet because it's still such a new thing. But I hope that my kids will see it as my parents loved me so hard that they were doing the best they could to protect me and keep me safe and help raise me in an environment that would help me become who I have potential to become. Mm -hmm. And I just find it so devastating that these people are so stuck in that victim mentality instead of seeing how it shaped them into the people that they are. Mm -hmm. Life doesn't happen to you. It happens for you. And every experience that you go through, even if you had maybe a rough relationship with your parents, it's not too late. You can turn around and strengthen that relationship with your parents, but it's going to require action on your part, even as an adult. And I just think I am so lucky too, like Jared said, that I grew up in such a cool house where I had all sisters. I'm the oldest of six daughters. And my dad was an entrepreneur and he just, I never thought that because I was a girl that I was less important or less special than boys. Like I had as much or more potential than any boy my age. And I just loved that my parents instilled that vision in me because it got me to where I'm at today. Absolutely. Mm, That is so powerful. So for everyone listening, I think the resounding message for me personally is the profound impact that Camille and and Jared, like you you hear so much health coming through in the messaging. Like obviously they're not perfect. I'm not a perfect parent. None of us are perfect, but they're showing up powerfully in their kids' lives and they are equipped and enabled to make these decisions on behalf of their kids. And they've developed these deep relationships and showing up in that way is super powerful. And one of the things, one of the clues and the reason uh, that we that we want this so badly is because one of the clues is that they were they did have solid homes that they came from. You just heard them both say that they came from these great homes, and so it's profoundly impacting how they're able to parent right now because they're not necessarily having to fight through. I mean, I'm sure everybody's got some baggage, right? But they're not necessarily having to fight through that. And so I'm not saying that to in any way shame because I didn't have that growing up, right? And I'm standing here on the other side where I lost my dad at seven, you know, and I lost my mom in my twenties and our tween, my tween and teen years were really, really rough, you know, dealing with substance abuse and chronic illness and all sorts of things. And I didn't have family around me. So like, I'm on the other side of that trying to show up powerfully, right? So two sides of a coin and we can choose to show up powerfully, but how much more so do you want to lay groundwork for your kid to stand before you like Jared and Camille right now? where they're able to move forward and they have stepped on top of that ceiling that their parents made 
And they're, they're able to create that even that much more headway and that much more impact in their kids' lives because they've got less baggage to deal with, hopefully, right? Like, do you, I hope I hope the, the point I'm trying to make here is coming across because I think it's just a profound um, just vision of what's possible whenever we show up powerfully in our kids' lives, because then we can enable them to show up powerfully in their own kids' lives. And the truth is, is kids are so resilient and we can be victors. And I love that you brought that up, Camille, because I, I feel like through God, that was what my story became. Instead of being a victim in so many different ways where I could have just rolled over, I could have, you know, chosen like, look what happened to me. I'll poor me. You know, I can't do any of that because if this thing happened to me and this is who I am. But instead, I believe through God, like I had a different message about who I am and how I can show up in the world. And to show up and be that victor. And I think that's such a powerful thing that that you just put out there. And so no matter where we are on our parenting journey, whoever's listening to this right now, that there's always hope and that there's always a pathway through to show up powerfully for your kids. And I hope that um, all these wonderful lessons that Jared and Camille have brought to us today have landed and they are um, some good seeds that have been planted. So with that being said, Jared and Camille, I would love for you to tell everybody how they can follow you on social media. Combined total, I don't know if you guys heard this earlier, but combined total, they have 6 million followers online. And so they are doing some great things online. You don't get followers unless you're doing something worth following. And so I want them to tell you about how uh, you can can find them. And we'll also list, in, list all the links that they mention in the show notes. So don't forget to go grab those. So Jared, Camille, how can everybody find you? And so I think the easiest, so, so by profession, I'm a physical therapist. Um, so my YouTube channel is Tone and Titan, where I just kind of share, you know, rehab advice and, and things that you can do to, to feel and move better. So that's a great place to find me. Um, Camille, um, so Camille is involved. So her, her website is called Six Sisters Stuff. Amazing family recipes, family dinners, ideas, fun things to do with your family. That's a great place to find that. We've actually just teamed up and kind of doing more of a joint venture. I actually work a lot with postpartum women and Camille recently got a life coach certification. So I kind of bring physical rehab. She kind of brings mental wellness. You can learn more about that program at mommytummyfix.com. Oh, I love it. I love it. Well, guys, thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to come and share with all of this wisdom with us. We really appreciate you. Thanks so much, thank Steph. You. This was great. I truly hope you enjoyed our episode today on the Powerful Parenting Journey podcast. Make sure to hit follow and subscribe so that you don't miss out on any upcoming episodes. You're not going to want to miss a thing. I promise. If you were impacted by this episode, do me a favor and leave a review with a comment. I read every one of them and I also pass them along to our guests. If this episode made you think of someone, go ahead, take a screenshot and share this episode with them or post it on your social media to share with friends. You can catch the show notes for this episode and any mentioned links at powerfulparenting.com forward slash podcast. If you want to see more behind the scenes with me and my guests, be sure to find me on Instagram or Facebook. It's where we can have deeper conversations on these podcasts. Take care. And remember, it's not about being a perfect parent. It's about taking each day and working on showing up powerfully for our kids. They deserve it. And you are the parent for the job. See you on the next episode.